0: Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Coach Jonathan Simpson. He's currently the offensive coordinator at Mesquite Poteet High School in Mesquite, Texas, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's married to Ashley, and they have three kids. But more than that, just an incredible man of God, passionate about his relationship with Jesus and making Jesus known through the game of football. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today,
1: Coach. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. It's a yes. fun deal.
0: Awesome. Son, I'd, I'd like to start these off with some background information. So, if you don't mind, just give us a little bit about who you are, uh, maybe where you grew up, your family growing up, and then your family today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I grew up uh, in Bryan, Texas, and, um, you know, had was blessed to grow up in a Christian home with both parents who were strong believers. And, uh, you know, they, You know, kind of probably getting ahead a little bit, but going to my story a little bit. Like I thought I had the perfect life growing up; I really did. And uh, you know, we went to church every week. We had a great family. Um, I grew up loving sports and being competitive. And I don't really know where I got that. You know, I gave a character lesson to kids one time, and like to my my football guys one time. And like, I really think that God created us to be competitive because no one really ever told me I needed to be competitive. I think it created men, men in particular, to be competitive, and uh, so that was a big part of my life growing up. Just competition, and uh, you know, just loving. I remember in first grade, <laughs> I played soccer for the first time, and uh, we didn't win a game; we tied a game. But I never wanted to play soccer again. I still remember that in first grade. But um, yeah, so going along, you know, it was I, I played any sport I could play other than soccer, uh, and loved it and, you know, you get to sixth grade and, and my parents divorced then. You know, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, but saw my mom have a, you know, really strong faith and uh, learned really how to unconditionally love from her because she, she just did. She kept loving us and she never said a bad thing about my dad. And, you uh, know, she probably had every right to. And um, so no, really never went that that phase where you just fall off the face of the earth and I've just I've, I've had a strong faith you know, I, always, I used to think that was a boring story uh, but I I've, I realized now at 37 that that's just what a huge blessing that was to uh, have people put in my life where I have walked and I have walked alongside. and I'm not perfect by I means there's but like I've, I've walked consistently with the Lord my whole life and it's been fun to to see how that impacted off all, all facets of my life. But yeah. I grew up in Bryan, played football, baseball and basketball in high school. There, um, went to AM. and uh, I met, didn't apply anywhere else. You know, I grew up hometown kid, went to Texas a and I thought I wanted to be an engineer and I wasn't like knowing how things worked, uh, get two years in engineering and just decide, no, I want to teach and coach. So I went in a totally different direction. And, um, You know that—that's kind of how I got started in teaching and coaching. I remember going back to when I decided that I went and talked to my old head high high school head coach, Marty Criswell, and uh, said, "Hey, I want to coach. What? Can I? Can I help? Can I? Can I get plugged in somewhere?" And he plugged me into middle school, uh, actually, that I went to, Jane Long Middle School in Bryan, and that was kind of my first coaching job. I was a junior in college, volunteered there, coaching football, Uh, got to call call plays as a volunteer coach at a middle school, and. I was hooked. Uh, it was, it was just a fun deal. You got to get, get impact kids and, um, you know, that's kind of why I got into to doing what I, I was doing. I love, love sports, love competition, but also love impacting kids. And so, uh, I, I think that this profession allows you to do that. And so I think it's the greatest profession in the world, but, um, so yeah, just from there, I got my first job in ISD and after graduation and uh, I was at middle school for three years and I've been at Poteet high school. I'm just finishing up my 10th year. And that's kind of the, the short version of, of my life, but that's kind of a little background where, where I'm from. And you're married now. Um,
0: you all have yeah. three kids.
1: Yes. So I've left that out. That's probably a big part. Yeah. I've been married. will be 13 years uh, this summer and got three kids, nine, seven, and five. So they are handful and they keep us busy, but they're great kids and um, you know it's it's fun. You look back and we, we talked to, to Ashley but talking to Ash the other day and you look back thirteen years ago when we got married and you never like you don't think you don't have the foresight to think ahead to that and think, well, one day we're, we're gonna have kids that are nine, seven and five all in school and it's kind of it's fun to, to grow, uh, but you don't you don't see it. I think looking back, you always see how much you've grown more so than in the moment, and so even when you're not trying to grow, we're always growing. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's good. That is a busy house. So nine seventy five is a a fun age, but a busy one. Yep, that's good. And you talked about your your faith journey, but I, I, I do want to ask though: at what point in your life did you? I mean, growing up in a Christian home is a blessing, but also. You know, it, there is a time when it, when we make it our own faith, right? So, at what point sure. did you realize you needed that personal relationship with Jesus?
1: Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember believing uh, that, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins when I was like as far back as I can remember. Probably mm-hmm. three. I remember we had a children's Bible study that a bunch of moms did, and um, and we went every week, and we just learned the Bible stories, and we learned the gospel message, and we learned. You know that we're sinners. We need a savior, and and Jesus is that answer. And um, so, it's I. I've always thought that that's when I believed, and that's when I when I took that step. Uh, having kids now, I, th- I like I've told my kids now because they all believe that too because they've been brought up in that faith. But at some point, they're going to have to make it their own. And I would say probably through my high school years, um, middle school and high school years were when. I really, in particular, my middle school years, I I remember thinking at one point, I'm a different person at school than I am at church Mm -hmm. and wanting to change that. And, um, you know, I was a typical middle school boy and just, yeah, I just remember thinking, man, I'm not the same and probably into my freshman year then even a little bit. And so I would say that I made it my own faith and really, started walking it out on a daily basis uh, in in my sophomore year in high school I think I got baptized um, you know at the beginning of my junior year in high school and so from that point on you know I I think I was walking before then but like I said just looking at it now from the perspective of kids I've got a nine seven and five year old and they're gonna be exposed to so many more things they're gonna have to continue to make a daily decision to 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 follow Christ and to, to walk with the Lord and um, I think that was the moment, you know, early in high school that I said this is I'm gonna do this my whole life. Um I think that's that's the difference in, in that first decision and just that making that commitment every day to to follow the Lord.
0: So well, absolutely I, I agree with that. I very similar path. I grew up in an incredible family um in the church, but I was probably 15 when mm-hmm. it really became real that it was it was that personal relationship. It was my faith. It wasn't my family's. It wasn't going to church. You know, even though I grew up knowing all the Bible stories could quote every book of the Bible, you know, in order, all 66 in order, you know, I knew all that stuff, but um, I think it was more head and not heart, if you will. Yeah. 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 Very good. Um, And we'll talk about faith um, a little bit down the road here. So you mentioned coaching, in mesquite your first time you've been in mesquite isd for a while so um, talk about you know your your current position in mesquite poteet just talk 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 how you got to that point
1: yeah it's it's funny because well i'll back up a little bit because when i first i had two interview or two two job offers when i first got into coaching and we were living in grand prairie at the time we'd just gotten married and had offered to be at the middle i I was only certified middle school at the time. So I had an offer to be at a middle school in Irving, which would have been minutes from our house. It would have paid more. Um, the interview, like I'm, I met with the principal and the athletic coordinator at the middle school. And then he took me over to the athletic director and I met the athletic director. And then I had an offer at Barry middle school in Mesquite, which was going to be a 45 minute drive. And he was going to pay less. And, I only interviewed with the principal and didn't even know who the athletic director was or athletic coordinator was. And for some reason, felt called to Mesquite. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I prayed about it a bunch and, you know, that that's, that's the direction I ended up going and deciding that when I called the Irving guy back to let him know, you know, he was like, he didn't, he didn't get it. That doesn't make sense. Why, you know, and so, um, fast forward three years, you know, I'd applied for a couple of different places to, you know, I wanted to move up and, um, I hadn't gotten them. Uh, teaching fields didn't work out, and I thought it was the, the right place to be at the time. You know, those first couple of years trying to trying to get out of the middle school, and um, then after three years at, at Barry, uh, one of the coaches I worked with, uh, his cousin got the head job at, at Poteet. and so he convinced them to bring me over and as the head freshman coach, and um, worked as the head, head freshman coach for a couple of years, and then got to be a varsity receivers coach and. Uh, a new head coach came in, and made me the special teams coordinator, and then we had an office coordinator leave, and got to be the offense coordinator. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the, the path that it's, that, it's, that I've taken, and it's it's been fun. Like I do think that I, I've ne- I was never I wanted to be at the high school level, but I haven't gone out searching for titles. And I think that yeah, you know, that's as the competitive nature of the, the profession. I think that's something that a lot of coaches do. Um, they, they go out searching for these titles and they leave because they think that there's, a, you know, the title is going to be make it a better thing and a bigger, better place. And um, I've been so happy at Poteet that the titles have never mattered. And uh, they it, they've just kind of happened. Um, I, I knew when I got into it that I wanted to either be a head basketball co- coach or an offensive coordinator. And, hmm. you know, it's kind of, you know, that's, that's where, you know, I got to be an offense coordinator and all right, you know, this is where I'm at. But I didn't, I didn't really go seeking it out. Um, you know, when the opportunity came up, I, I pushed to apply for it, but I wasn't, like, I very rarely get on the job boards and are looking at things. And, you know, I just, I think that it's, it's a hard thing to do in our profession to be where we're at um, mm. and just to, to be all in where we're at at the time.
0: Yeah, just, I think that's the way, um, you know, coaching is. And, and, you know, even in the private sector, on, on, on the business side, it's always the title means something. As in my early 30s, I left a, a very good job to go for a title somewhere. Um, and it wasn't a horrible three years, but I learned a lot that yeah. um, satisfaction doesn't come in the title. Right. Um, identity is not in the title. Um, and then, you know, I get a phone call. For literally, I'm three years to the day of, of in that job, and my boss says, "Look, you need you need to get out of here because things are getting ready to go bad. I can't save you." And that's when it really hit to me that <laughs> chasing titles is nothing.
1: Well, I think it's you know? something that our kids struggle with. You know, it's that's right. We they they find their identity and things that they do, and, and instead of knowing who they are, and I think that as a coach, that's one of the biggest struggles you have is. Mm-hmm. Cause not everybody's going to be a great football player or whatever sport they're playing. They're, not, they're right. not, and they all want to be. And, you know, they, they tie this identity to this game. that's temporary. That's going to be taken away from them at some point. And so that's, that's one of the things that you know, is, is really super important to me is anytime we get to talk and realize for the, for the our staff as a whole, we have a great staff, but that's our, we try to push Knowing their identity and who they are, and then their character, as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, you know just combating that that thing that society says you know you need need status and recognition to have an identity. Yeah, it just goes back to identity. is
0: who you are, not not what you do, and um, you know it is. It's in the sports world because I mean, like you said, not everybody's going to be the excellent football player, and not everybody's going to be a head coach. Right. You know that middle school coach is just as important. Absolutely, The head varsity coach when it comes to developing the kids. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's a very good reminder on on identity. So clearly your faith is is your identity. Um, it's, Absolutely. It's, it's very obvious. Um, so it plays a big role in your coaching. But in your coaching journey, have you experienced any resistance to that, whether it be coworkers, players, parents, administration
1: been really blessed to be in places that have had leadership that has supported that. Uh, you know, I, I think that I probably the biggest resistance has been in myself. Like when I first mm-hmm. got into it, I I'm a rule follower, like at, at heart, like I'm a, and so I, I knew separation of church and state and like, how much can I really bring my faith in here? And, um, uh, Really you know, early on, I had oh, it was probably basketball season, and I was got to see the head basketball coach at the middle school and how he interacted with kids. And before and after every game, he was praying, and uh, he would pray at the beginning of the game, and he before they left after debriefing, he would pray with them again. Um, and I got to the high school and was an assistant soccer coach, and I saw our, our head soccer coach do the same thing, and um, and then I got to see our you know, our head coach probably who just became our athletic coordinator or athletic director of the district, but I saw him in a coach's outreach Bible study probably five years ago. Uh, just say, Hey, it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. Like I'm going to start being more bold for my faith. And, and, he, and I saw him want live it out. I saw him be more direct with kids. And, um, and so I think that the resistance has probably been more so in myself as as a rule follower. And finally, I would say over the last five years, probably since that moment I saw that, that head coach do that, you know, I was probably more careful before that. And now I'm not like, if I've gotten to the point where if the Lord wants to take away my job, because I spoke out for him, then okay. Like he's going to take care of me. And mm-hmm. that's been a really cool place to get to and and get into. Now every time I get a chance in front of kids, uh, you know, on a, we do character with their kids all the time, you know, at least 15, 20 minutes a day. And usually a coach is talking and uh, we kind of rotate who gets to do that. But anytime I get a chance to do that, they're, they're going to hear some form of the truth and sometimes it's more direct than others, but like, I, I take that seriously now. And in the one-on-one chances too, you, I don't hold back in, in the one-on-ones as much as I used to. And so I'd say that's where the resistance has probably come from is more internal and, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I've been, we've been, I've been blessed to be in a place that has, has support from leadership, um, you know, from principal to even superintendent that I think are people of faith and we, we, we have it. And I think when you do approach it the right way, you don't get that resistance from, from kids either. Cause they realize that you love them as people and you're not approaching it from a, a judgmental perspective of mm. this has, this is, you know, this is what you have to believe and you're forcing it on. And we've had, you know, we've had um, Muslim kids come through our program and, We've still prayed before before games, and we've prayed as uh, as teams, and, and they've never felt ostracized from our team. They've, they understood that that's who we are, and we're going to be who we are. And so, yeah, I think that probably the resistance is more internal than anything.
0: That's good. I think there's there's a lot of truth, and, you know, a lot of times the we do create our own resistance, you know, out of fear, um, but it goes back to identity. You know, if we truly believe that we are his, then, you know, yeah. and, and it's all about loving others. And I, I think you're right on on how we do it is important. Um, if we come across as this, this is my way, you know, and it's not loving, it's more condemning, then yeah, you're going to get a ton of resistance. You know, but if you're loving kids and they know that and they sense that, then yeah, I, I'm with you on that.
1: Well, it's all about I think you get a chance to share your story and, and they get to see where you're coming from. And, you know, one of the man, best lessons that I've learned over the, it's just been hammered home probably over the past five, six years is knowing your why. And when you know your why, your what is more impactful. And so when well, you can relate it back to that for kids and, you know, I know what my why is, and, and this is why I do the things I do and say the things I say. Uh, and you know, I think it's very clear. You know, I, I got this, we even this quarantine time we did I was up for character. We do a weekly character with the coach on Thursdays, and probably three weeks ago. But I shared I shared the gospel with kids, and I told them it's because I know what my why is. Know my why is to know him and to make him known, and uh, I've experienced his love in my life. Want, you know, want that for y'all one day. And so, again, yeah, it's, it's coming from love, and I think they see that, and they they don't they don't feel there's not very, very many times when People know that you care for them; that they're going to push back. Um, you know, That's they right. may not agree. Yeah. They may not agree, but they're not going to push back because they know you're you're making a decision or you're saying things out of out of love and and out of you truly do care for them. So,
0: I agree with that. It's all about um, the the intentions, um, and you know, and it goes back to why 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 you do it is because you love them. Mm-hmm. You know, and you want what's best for them. And that is for them to be a follower of Jesus and whether they right. make that decision while you're coaching them or not, but you're planting that seed. Right. You know, and maybe 10 years from now and they go, you know what coach Simpson told me about this Jesus guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's,
1: that's good. That's the hope. That's the hope. Yeah. So, Amen.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned being married 13 years and, you know, and three kids, and, and also the the demands of being a coach were a lot. So how do you balance the demands with being a husband and a dad?
1: Uh, one, you got, you got to have a great wife. Uh, you know, Ashley is awesome. And she, I don't know if she knew what she was getting into. I don't know what I was getting into um, really when, I, when it started, but she was committed to being supportive of it and she, she has been and she, she hasn't pushed back. And so she, you know, when, when you, when you see your profession as your ministry, and, and that's what we do uh, it's a whole lot easier for her to be supportive of me being gone a little more. Um, and then, you know, to, you know, as the kid it has gotten a whole lot easier as the kids have gotten older, because now they can be a little more a part of it. They can be up at the field house a little more. Uh, they can come to practice, you know, and et cetera, you know and we can do more things as a family with, with those players. And, but, you know, I, th- I think that I, you know, start to think about things from a head coaching perspective. And I think that that has to come from the top and they have to value your time um, with your family because you are just the demands of the, of the job, you are going to be gone a lot. And so if you're working though, that's great. But if you're just up there to be up there. And so I, I've seen that model from the top, I've seen um, you know, our coach grows, the old head coaches and our athletic director always told us, yeah, I'm telling you to go home, you know, you're, you're done. So if you're here now, it's on, it's your choice. It's your, it's by your choice that you're still here. Uh, you need to go home and see your families. And, uh, he was always good about, we, we work only one day on Saturday on the weekends and it's been Saturdays. And this week, this year is a little bit on Sundays. Uh, we've kind of switched doing the one day being Sundays, but I think that's super helpful when the the person at the top values that, and now that trickles down to your wives and your families as as they they see that and they see they're doing everything in their power to get home and to get get us home with our families as much as we can. Um, You know, I've even thought about this though, like if I ever get a chance to be head coach, just in this time where we've done so much online and Zoom meetings and Google Meets meetings and. Like, I think there's there's things you could do, especially if I had a staff with young head, young kids or coaches that had young kids, I would try to do even more on the weekends from home and try to limit that time up there on the weekend as much as possible. Um, I think that kind of goes in against the, the old school train of thought where you just got to be up there grinding all the time as a coach. And, you know, I, I had a coach tell me three or four years ago, well, is that extra – four hours up, there going to help win one more game. Uh, That extra two hours meeting in the spring, is it going to help you win one more game or it's definitely tough. Uh, I think sometimes we find that spring is even tougher than fall. Uh, And I think that's because going into football season, you know what you're about to get into. It's super structured and uh, you've had a little bit of a summer to, to recuperate. And then you get, get done with football season. You go into your second sport and your second sport, and sometimes now there's a second sport, but now there's a meeting, or now there's another sport that needs coaches at to, to help with, or there's a track meet that you're not a track coach, but we're hoping to help. And so there's just all these random things throughout the spring that come up. And so the spring is almost tougher to get through than, than the fall. Um, mm-hmm. but it all goes back to having a great wife who's uh, willing to shoulder the load during that time. And we made the decision. When Jack was born, it was her second, her middle child, to, for her to stay home, for Ashley to stay home with kids, and so it makes it a little bit easier for us to be able to do that, and and she does do a great job with that, and we don't regret that. It makes us wish we had done it with, with Annabelle, our first, first kid.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I mean, that's stuff that we can all learn from, whether you're a coach or not, um, that You know, the the priority of being a husband and a dad is is still number one. It goes back to identity.
1: It is. Mm -hmm. I
0: want to ask you about, um, as a follower of Christ, that balance between um, degrading and coaching kids hard. I mean, there's talk in the media – last fall a lot about you know all coaches cuss you gotta cuss you gotta do this and that's that old school mentality but then you had the likes of Tony Dungy and Mm -hmm. other guys coming out going you know what that's not true you know you don't have to do that so as a follower of Christ so how do you balance that you know because it's biblical to to demand excellence but there is that fine line of, of coaching hard and degrading
1: so how do you balance that well, I think again, it goes back to yes, it's your identity, and so when you think about your identity, and you know my identity being Christ, like how how am I commanded to treat others? And I don't, I don't think I think for some, somehow that we as adults think that we've got to treat kids a certain way in order to get them to respond. And I think it's like a almost a, uh, you know, kids used to respond out of fear. And I don't think they do anymore. Um, you don't see a, you know, they don't operate out of a fear-based response system. And so while that may have worked and I've seen it work, you know, I I volunteered for the men's basketball team and I had a great head coach who I loved working for. And he was super demanding, but he was, he, his approach was going to be to break, break those guys down uh, so that they had to turn to themselves and, and, at the end of the day, somehow he still was able to show that he loved them, but it was a a, a high intensity. You saw the cussing, et cetera. And there's nothing, uh, you know, from you talk to a lot of people, there's nothing to the matter with that. And I never thought there's anything to the matter with that. When I got into coaching, that wasn't going to be my approach. I thought you had to be a tough on kids so that they were uh, you knew the expectations. But so I, I do think it all goes back to, how are we commanded to approach others? And if we truly do love others, we're going to treat them like we want to be treated. And you look at even in in a work environment now, you don't want to hear from your boss. You don't want your boss to treat you that way. So it may, and, and just how, how do we respond to people uh, when they're giving us directives? Well, I respond a whole lot better when somebody has a conversation with me and tells me, I need you to do this. And this is why. Uh, than I do somebody yelling at me and uh, so I I think when you start to think about All right, how would I respond better, it, it gives you a little insight into how, how can I motivate kids mm-hmm. through just normal conversations and and, and talking, and you can do that. Uh, you still have to maintain a standard, and you can't lower your standard. Uh, but it's it's not necessary. and You don't need it. And I, I haven't been perfect at that. Like, but you know, kids are like if I if I cussed, you know, a kid would probably they would remember it because it doesn't happen very often. And and like I said, I'm not perfect, but uh, it probably means a little more when, when it happens to come out because they understand, okay, he's, he's serious about something now.
0: No, it makes sense. I mean, it's true. I mean, I think that whole fear thing is the days of old. It is. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, no longer can you lead with, go that way because I said so. Right. And now it's, Hey, this is where we're going. Let let me, let me, let me, let me guide you there.
1: And that's how we've approached discipline with, I know we're not talking about discipline, but you know, and and motivation with my own kids in our own household is we've always, if we're going to discipline our kid or going to tell them they need to do something, we've always given them the why, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a little different. You you know, we grew up with do it because I said so. And we've never approached that that way with our own kids. And so if I'm going to not approach my own kids that way, why would I approach my athletes that way? And so wow, that's
0: good. Uh, this next question has to do with the, the role of sports or our culture. Um, you don't have to look very far to see we're divided and this is not, you know, a political discussion, but You know, we are. We're divided on politics, religion, social economics, race, you name it. But sports has this unique ability to kind of tear down those walls and bring people together. So your experience in in sports and coaching, how have you seen, um, in your case, football, tear down those walls where there could be division along whatever lines?
1: Well, you know, my background, you know, Brian, I grew up in a very diverse uh, community. And, you know, the, the the locker room, for whatever reason, the locker room does bring together different people and diverse people as a family. And uh, I think it has to do with the, the fact that they have sacrificed together and they've made a commitment to sacrifice together. Uh, you know, I think it's not to compare it to to war and to battle because it's, it it gets, people tend to compare it to that, but I think it's so far, it doesn't do it justice to compare it to that, but it's probably as close as you can get in a normal day-to-day setting of that, where mm-hmm. a group of people have come together for a common goal, chosen to be there, and have chosen to sacrifice and to sacrifice their own comfort and their own time, and uh, and so you start to look at the people around you a little differently. You start to look at them uh, for how you're similar as opposed to how you're different. And you know, working in Mesquite, I've been blessed to be in that same kind of environment where it is a super diverse environment. And you talk about diverse with race, but I think you're going to have diversity anywhere you're at. You know? that's right. uh, yeah. Even if it's, if, even if you, you're at a place that's not diverse uh, racially, it's still going to be diverse with backgrounds, with uh you know, do you have parents at home that are super engaged or not engaged? You have like you're, how you were brought up. You know, there's, there's still going to be a lot of diversity and a lot of everybody's different and you're all going to bring something different to the table through your experiences. But anyway, I think it's just that common goal and that common sacrifice. That I think football is a little different too, because there's so many, um, it's a, it's a larger team. And so mm-hmm. uh, i and because football, you know, I tell tell my kids this all the time, my athletes, is that football is the greatest team sport. And I love all other sports. I do. I, I love basketball. Like I, said, I actually want to be a head basketball coach and um, love baseball. But I think football is the greatest team sport because one person can't win a game. Uh, you, you don't see one person just dominate a game. Even if you had the best player uh, on the field, if everybody else didn't do their job, you're not winning the game. And so everybody sees their value in that team. They see their importance in the team. And so it does bring you together a little more versus some other sports. You can have one guy take over a game on the court. You can have a pitcher dominate a game in baseball and win it for his team. And you can't have a quarterback who just, I mean, if you don't have a receiver to throw to, you can't, you know, a running back who you know, I don't care how good the running back is. If the line doesn't block, i you know, at Barry Sanders. His team's didn't win very many games. He may be the best running back to ever play the game. And so uh, you know, I, I think it's just, it is the ultimate team sport. And so that sacrifice and common goal does bring people together. That's
0: good. I think, too, I mean, I say this a lot. So if there's regular listeners listening to this, they're probably rolling their eyes. But um, it's a beautiful picture to me how God created the church, Big C. Um, you know, because if, mm-hmm. you know, Paul talks about, we're one body, but not everybody's the eye, not everybody's the arm. And, you know, so it's knowing your role on the, on the team, if you will, inside the church keeps us focused on that common goal of loving God and loving others. And then when we're functioning that way, much like on a football field, we don't have time to worry about the secondary things that divide us. And I right. think, so to me, that's why I think it's just a beautiful picture Um of how God designed the church.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, because,
0: you know, if you want to talk sports, you're right. I mean, about uh, about football, one person can't do it. I mean, the Barry Sanders is the one I think about all the time. And then on the flip side, as we're recording this, this is the, the day they're going to show the last two episodes of The Last Dance. And that's a perfect example of how one player can, yeah.
1: you know, yeah. dominate
0: versus in football. You're right. It's just a beautiful picture because, everybody has to do their job and do it well for the church to, to, to yeah. advance, you know, his kingdom. So that, that's yeah. good.
1: Yeah. I like that parallel. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what would you say to that coach or student an athlete that's listening that, um, is a follower of Christ understands their platform, um, that they have in athletics, you know, that can be used for good or bad, but they want to use their platform that God has given them, to be more bold in their faith. So how would you encourage them to do that?
1: Um, Well, I'd say I I kind of touched on it earlier, but truly know your why. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you know your why, your what is more impactful. And secondly, don't focus on the results. You know, focus on the process. Um, You know, over the past, I'd say two years ago, I I did, I I decided, I want to be a head coach one day. Okay. So I, I told myself, I, I set a goal. I said, by the time I'm 40, I want to be a head coach. And what, what happens if I'm not a head coach and I'm 40, you know, does that mean I was a failure? Does that mean that I'm not better for that? But no, I think if you look back over the last five years, I'll, I'll be able to look back and see I have grown so much by preparing to be a head coach. And than, than I would have, if I'd never set that goal. So, Mm. Now, the same thing can be said for somebody who's trying to make a difference is well, what difference do you want to make like how do you want to make that difference okay so look at the end goal but how what are the things you need to be doing in your life in order to do that you know if you want to make an impact for the lord are, are you committed in your personal life to be able to have opportunities okay. to do that are you uh, you know are you reading your word are you praying are you surrounding yourself with the people that are to uh, have similar a similar mindset Um uh, so, yeah, just looking at the, the process, the goals are great, but if you don't ever think about how you're going to get there, you're not going to get that goal. Right? The, the process is so much more important than mm-hmm. the end results. And I, we get so caught up on the end results that we think failures if we don't meet those goals and we, uh, we don't have that end result uh, versus if, if we're focused on that process of how we're going to get somewhere, even if we don't get there, we've grown and we've grown a lot.
0: So absolutely. That's good. I like that. You know, that when you know your why or what's more impactful, I mean, that's, that's true. And it doesn't matter where you are what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's professionally, personally, spiritually, it's that's that that is so, so important. So this one, this next question is always a fun one for me, um, because it God really uses it to challenge and encourage me. A lot of people have a life verse or favorite scripture. Yeah. So I was going to ask if you did or, you know, is there one that God has shown you recently that has really impacted you that you would share with us?
1: Yeah, Philippians 2 is really Philippians by my favorite book uh, in the Bible. But Philippians 2 in particular just talks about, uh, you know, do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but in thinking about others is more important than yourselves. Um, don't look out merely for your own personal interests, but also to the interests of others. So it gives you a, a what, but then it goes into the why, kind of what we just we talked about. It, it says, hmm. you do have this attitude of yourself that is, was also existed in, in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he took the form of a human and uh, he became a bondservant and he sacrificed even to the point of death on the cross so that at his name, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then at the very tail end of it, it even says, "For His name's sake, you know, for the glory of God is what it's saying." So Mm. you you got all right. We're supposed to love each other sacrificially because Jesus loved us sacrificially for the glory of God. And so it kind of just wraps up the gospel into there's the why. The gospel's the why. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to go love people sacrificially. Um, And so that's kind of been my my life. Passage, you would you would say, um, like I, I go back to that and read that so much and so often, and uh, it's, it's been very applicable to me.
0: I like that. That goes. Um, I've never heard it explained exactly like that. I love Philippians too, as well, for those same reasons. But I love how you broke out the the why and the what, just like in our previous conversation, mm-hmm. in the previous question, you talked about knowing your why and the what's more impactful. And I love how you take Philippians two and kind of unpack those same two, the what and why there. I, I wrote that down because that's that's huge. I'm going to go read Philippians two tonight, and I'm going <laughs> to look at it through that lens. Because I, I mean, yeah. I love I'm with you. I love the book of Philippians. I love yeah. Philippians two. I, you know, it's easy to go back to the first part of Philippians two, and you know, if you can't quote a word for it, you can always paraphrase. You know, right. about being selfless and humility. Yep. Uh, yep. Looking at it through that lens, that's that's good. And you've, you've touched on this last question some, too, but um, I'm going to kind of ask from a practical standpoint what it looks like for you. So two words in sports, all in. I mean, it's we don't have to really spend any time talking about what that means. I mean, it's just giving your all. It's all over sports, no matter the sport. But it's also all of the Gospels, you know, in Jesus. Yeah talks about if you're gonna follow me you gotta deny yourself you gotta be selfish gotta pick up your cross daily so clearly you know jesus you know being all in for jesus is um a sacrifice it's being selfish but there's some practical aspect of that on a daily basis and it's different for everybody so what does that look like for you um on a daily basis in your walk
1: to be all in and it's a, it's a daily struggle and a daily battle. Um, and I think that's, there's, there's so many distractions in the world. Um, and I, I am, I'm not a retreat. I'm not a routine driven guy. I just, I never have been. So I've always struggled with waking up first thing in the morning and diving into the word. I'll say this, During this like quarantine time, we got a dog and well, the dog gets up early and I get up with the dog. So I've had some. Time in the morning first thing now um and so i'm hoping that that does drive some routine but it is i think it goes it's, it's just a it's a daily struggle and and battle to make sure that um your mindset is that of why am i here uh, and what's the eternal perspective of this and so it's whether or not you hit those daily check marks and those practical things, I think it does go back to your mindset of, all right, I'm going to follow Christ today. And if you can wake up and say that I'm going to follow Christ today. um, Yes. I would love to be in the word every day, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I don't, I don't need that every single day. Um, But it, you know, Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And I think that's something I've always tried to do. And it's not praying without ceasing. It's, it's maintaining that dialogue with the Lord throughout the day. Um, it's when you're on your drive to work, you know, talking to Him. So when you're, it's when you hear a, a prayer request that someone says it's praying for them right now, it, instead of saying, I'll, I'll pray for you. Um, it's when something pops in your head and, and you think I need to pray for that. Now stop and pray, pray right now. So it's for me, that's, that's how I, I try to approach it. It's every day. It is a daily battle. And I know it's going to be a daily battle because when you're following the Lord, you're going to be distracted. You know, Satan's going to come and he's going to try to distract you and try to take you away from, you know, the end goal. And so trying to redirect your thoughts and your minds to, um, you know, thoughts that have eternal significance and are of eternal value. And That's hard. Um, but, you know, from a practical perspective, I do. I I try to read the word every day. I I don't, uh, I try to pray every day, like actually sit down and pray, but I don't like, I fail at that all the time. And I think that's what makes the gospel so great is, you know, we're not perfect and we're never going to be, but if your mindset is I'm going to follow Christ today, uh, you don't stray from that. Then, you know, I think that's, that's important. That's it. Knowing that it's going to be a daily struggle and a daily decision. Pick your cross and follow him.
0: That's good. I like the way you you broke that down because yes, I mean I don't want to discount the importance of spending time in the Word and in prayer every day. It's I think it's very important, but Mm -hmm. if that becomes so much in our minds of um, I got to be careful how I say this, but it becomes so routine Mm -hmm. that it loses its value almost, or. We put so much importance on it that if I miss a day, I beat myself up. Yeah. You know, I That's think there's it. some dangers with with that. Although it's an incredible, powerful time, we got to be careful how it's viewed because we can easily make it um, a legalistic thing or mm-hmm. we can make it just so routine that when I get up, I read something, okay, check. I did that. Let's go to work. And there's no, doesn't sink in. I can't even tell you an hour from now what I read because that's right. I'm speaking from experience. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I, I like what you, I like how you broke that down that, you know, those things are important, but our mindset, our per, our eternal perspective is what's going to drive that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's not about behavior modification. You know, if that's we're trying right. to modify our behavior, you know, it's going to be hit or miss, but if you're trying to modify your heart and you know, I actually recently I did a word study on heart and mind and heart and mind are used kind of synonymous. synonymously. And, um, and so just, yeah, you got to modify those two things and the, the behavior will follow.
0: That's good stuff. Hey, I appreciate your time and, uh, flexibility and getting this thing done. Absolutely, um, I know, it's I know it was a, a journey to get, to get connected <laughs> on both ends, but, uh, you know, it's, it's all in God's timing. I Absolutely. believe that. Absolutely. So I, I know I've been encouraged. I know those listening have as well. well I appreciate the opportunity. It was, it's been fun. You bet. Thank you again to Coach Simpson for taking time to share his story and encourage us. I know I was encouraged just as much as you, but just the one word that kept Coming up a lot was identity. And I think that's something that we in our culture really struggle with, both inside the church and outside, is we see our identity in what we do and our stuff and and our socioeconomic status and our our jobs and the size of our house. But our identity is found in our relationship with Jesus and and who we are in, in Christ and who God created us to be. We're followers of Jesus, then we're husbands. Wives, dads, moms, sons, daughters, then our our profession. So thank you again for that encouragement. Also, just closing it out with, um, you know, if you can change a heart, then that leads to changing behavior. I thought that was just, just something that, that really encouraged me. Cause a lot of times I think we focus on behavior and not the heart, not the mind. And, and we know that it's the Holy spirit that, that truly convicts and changes the heart. So, so that's just something that I wrote down. And I think that's just uh, something that, that we all need to hear. So thank you again. Thank you for listening. I, I'd ask you to share this episode with a family member or friend and, uh, someone in your life that that may need to be encouraged as well. Again, thank you for listening. We love to hear from you. You can go to our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, type in All In Sports Outreach, find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to serve, uh, opportunities to pray for us, opportunities to give, and also interact with us. We love to hear from you. I'd also ask you, if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, that you would consider hitting that subscribe button, whatever platform you're using right now to listen. Thank you again. We truly appreciate your encouragement, your support, and your prayers.